0: I'm titling it tree of heaven and tree of hell. Tree of heaven and tree of hell. Genesis 2.9, I don't have any scriptures for you, so you're actually going to have to use your Bible. <gasps> I don't have that many, so. Um, Genesis 2.9 says, Out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's funny that, that uh, Scott mentioned this last week about that message. I actually had it on my heart before he stood up on Sunday to share a bit of that message of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil before he even said it. So Scott's prophetic. Um, Genesis 2:17, couple of verses later, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, this is the Lord's command to Adam and Eve. You shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is a very strange thing. It's only mentioned in these two verses in the entire Bible. It changed the course of human history, yet it's never mentioned again in all of Scripture. Why in the world is that, and why did such a huge curse being cast out of the garden, why did such a huge curse come upon all humankind just because they ate of this tree? What what does that mean? Why would God even do that? What is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Um, We have phrases uh, similar to this in our English language. We say things like, he searched high and low. Or he looked near and far. Now, does that mean that if you search for something high and low, you only looked up high and you only looked up low but nowhere in between? What does it mean? High and low and everything in between, right? So if you went near and far, search near and far, close and far away and everything in between, um, So it means everything in between. God says, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. I am the A and the Z is what he's saying. So that means he's not B or C or D or anything else. He's just the A and he's just the Z. He's only the beginning and only the end. No. He means I was here before anything. I'm going to be here after everything. I'm the first and the last. I began this all. I'm going to finish it. And I'm everything in between right? That's what that means. So what does the tree of the knowledge of good and evil actually mean? The tree of everything. You could say the tree of everything. In our application or our understanding, it would, it would be better to translate it, the tree of anything. The tree of anything. Now, it contained evil. It contained bad, knowledge of bad, evil knowledge, but it also contained good. But they weren't to eat of even the good that came from that tree. They were only—they were supposed to just eat from the tree of life. Once they ate from that tree, God said, they can't have access to that other tree now. You can't eat these two trees at the same time. You, you have to be removed from here. We can only eat from that tree one at a time. So The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or the tree of everything, the tree of anything, what it represents is that I can decide for myself. This tree, even though it's not directly mentioned, is inferred in almost every single page of the Bible. Wherever a human being has a choice to be independent from the Lord or dependent on God, You will see the tree of anything and the tree who is Jesus. Am I going to do what I want? Am I going to do what I think best? Or am I going to trust the Lord, listen to him, and whatever he feeds me, that's what I will eat. That's what I will do, regardless of whether it makes sense to me or not. So the tree of anything or the knowledge of good and evil is the tree of I can decide for myself. The tree of, I am smart enough to figure it out on my own. The tree of, I can be the God of my own life, and it will all work out. That's what that tree represents. When we eat that fruit, we are automatically rejecting the tree of life, who is Jesus. We aren't eating of his fruit. We aren't eating of, you know best, your ways are better, your ways are higher than my ways, I am weak, you are strong. Instead, we're choosing independence. We're not choosing dependence on God and choosing trust in His character and nature. We're choosing, I think I can figure this out. I got this handled. I can do this. It's up to me. That's the tree of anything. There's good in it and there's bad. One tree is dependence. The other is independence. One is weakness, I need you God, I need your wisdom, I need your counsel, I need your truth, I need your opinion. The other is pride. One tree is trust, the other is mistrust, or I only trust myself. One is you alone are the true God, the other is I can judge. I got this. I can handle this. One is, I need you. The other is, I only need me. I can do it. I got this. One is admitting, I've sinned. I need your righteousness. The other is, I can be righteous enough. I'm good enough. I'm better than most of you. I'm good. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, as I mentioned, is only mentioned once, but it's almost on every page of the Bible. How is that? Because every time we have the choice to live in dependence or independence, we are choosing one of those two trees. Abraham, sacrifice the son that I gave you. A choice. Is he going to sacrifice Isaac? The one who God said the promise is going to come from him? Kill him? Or not kill him. Let him live. Let him reproduce. Let him fulfill the promises of God. One is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, that doesn't make sense, so this makes sense to me. I'm doing that. Or the other is, Lord, you told me to kill Isaac? That's a tough one. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. But which one did Abraham do? He ate from the tree of life. He obeyed the Lord. And what did he get? he's called the father of the faith the father of the faith the faith he's the father amazing it all worked out the lord resurrected isaac so to speak brought him back from the dead so to speak as it says in the new testament but abraham had a choice israel when you walk around jericho don't pull out any weapons i just want you to yell Okay, choice. The Lord's words, obedience to him, the tree of life, or that makes no flipping sense whatsoever. That is not going to work. We're not doing that. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Doesn't mean that it's evil. It's good. This seems better to me, Lord. But we're still eating from the tree of anything, not eating from what is coming from the Lord. Matthew 16, 25, Jesus said something pretty radical. Whoever would save his life, that word is sozo, salvation, rescue. Whoever would try and rescue his own life, whoever would try to fix his own life, whoever tries to rescue himself out of the mess he's gotten himself into, Whoever does that, tree of knowledge of good and evil, whoever does that, what you think is going to work out for you, what are you going to get, Jesus said? You will lose it. Whoever would save his own life will lose it. You're trying to get life your way. I'm telling you, you're going to lose it. But if you... Whoever loses his life for my sake will find life. Again, a choice. Doesn't make sense in our economy, in our world, but in God's world, it works every single time. Every single time. Two trees, two options, two lifestyles, two mindsets. We can't eat from both of these trees simultaneously. I should say, we're not permitted. Uh, We can eat from them, alternating my opinion, what I think is good, and then it doesn't work out, and we get ourselves in trouble, and oh God, please rescue me, please save me. I humble myself, Lord, please God. And now we're ready to listen. Now we tried to do it on our own, and it didn't work, and now we're at the tree of life. Please God, please God, please God. And he fixes it. He saves us. He rescues us. And we get past that season, and we go, oh, Thank God. And then pretty soon, we're over here eating from the tree of the knowledge of good, the tree of anything. Whatever we think is the best. Whatever we think, you know, will get us what we want. And we keep repeating the cycle. We go back and forth. We have a a schizophrenic Christianity. We become, we're double-minded. When we live like that, we're double-minded. It produces Double-mindedness. The tree of anything produces death. God said, when you eat from that tree, death comes in. When you eat from me, I'm the tree of life. Life comes in. So how do we get rescued from this situation? The biblical authors that put these two trees in the garden spelled out the problem of humanity. It's dependence on the Lord or independence, and independence gives us death, and dependence on the Lord gets us life. How do we get rescued from this situation? Well, obviously, we need to say the tree of anything is not working. I'm sticking with the tree of life, but easier said than done, because how many of us do it all the time, only eat from the tree of life? Not enough of us, not often enough. How do we get rescued from that situation? This ties back into the heaven thing. I want you to notice first, it has nothing to do with location. It has nothing to do with location. Our Western gospel is you are in danger of going to hell. You're in danger of going to a place. God doesn't want you going to that place. Jesus died so you can go to another place. Salvation or rescue for us has become rescue from one location to another. Rescue from hell to the safe place, heaven. We make it about a location. So, uh, almost everyone that you know wants to go to this perfect place called heaven. But there's lots of people that actually want to go to heaven, but they don't want to be with God. They want to go to heaven. There's a song, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die, right? Everyone wants to go to heaven, but not everyone wants to be with God. And part of our problem is that we have made heaven a location, a physicality. And if it's a actual place, then God could leave heaven and heaven is still there. And heaven is still the same place if God left, if it's a place, If it's a location, if we could put a pin on Google Maps, that's the way it would work. And that's the way lots of people think that heaven is. But heaven is wherever God is, and hell is wherever God is not. When the cloud of glory lifted off the tabernacle in the wilderness, that pillar of cloud and fire, when it lifted up and moved, the people didn't go, no, it's fine that God's not here The tabernacle, the ark, we have all this stuff. Heaven is right here. We're cool. They said, no, heaven just lifted off and moved. What did they do? They took their tent, and they moved with the cloud, and they put the the temple, the tabernacle, right where the cloud was. They followed heaven. I don't know. I think this is probably a scene in... uh, in Avatar, even though I don't, I don't like that movie, the graphics are amazing. But you've probably seen some cartoons, or I know I've seen it in a movie somewhere, right? Somewhere, this Avatar one, they're walking through the wilderness, and, and as they're walking, their footsteps are lighting up, and these flowers are starting to, like, glow. You guys remember that scene? The flowers are starting to glow, and the guy's, like, tripping out, like, wow, this is amazing. And then they move on and kind of wherever they left, it fades back into what it was. That's the Lord. Wherever he is, heaven manifests, a garden, fruitfulness, love, joy, peace, all of that. God is there. He walks into a wilderness and it turns into a garden. But when God moves and leaves, it goes back to the wilderness. That's what heaven is. Heaven is Wherever God is, that's where paradise is. So our Western gospel, rescue to another place, it makes the enemy of our life hell. It makes the enemy of our life hell. The Western gospel also makes the enemy of our life God's wrath. Now, it's still true that we're in rebellion to, the, to God We are his enemy. Let's just make that very clear. But he loves his enemies. He wants to forgive his enemies. He wants to transform his enemies. But when we're in rebellion to God, we are his enemy. And we're already under his wrath. We're already under it. And God wants to rescue us from that situation. But it's not a rescue from a location. It's a rescue from You're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you're getting death. You're getting hell as a consequence. I want you to eat from me. It's not about location. It's about what tree are we eating from. What is the enemy of our life, according to the Bible? Well, we know we have an enemy, Satan. We know there's a demonic realm, and absolutely they're warring against us. That is an enemy. But what does Scripture say? What does the totality of the Bible say our biggest enemy is? That we need rescuing from? Our sin, our self, our eating from that tree of anything. That's what Scripture says we need saving from. It's not saving from a location to another location. It's saving from eating from this or eating from this. Jesus said the kingdom of God, is. it's right here. You can eat from it, right? You can touch it and taste it. You can experience it right now. It's within your reach. And they're like, we don't see it. Where? We don't see it. How did they access it? Repentance. Turning from their sin. The problem we need rescuing from, first and foremost, is our sin. Our independence, our self-sufficiency, our pride has nothing to do with location. Eating from the tree of independence. I've got this handled. I can do this. I want it my way our independence, our rebellion has made our inner lives a wilderness where there's thorns and thistles and a curse instead of fruitfulness. Our independence from God has turned our relationships into war zones, our families into places of conflict, our cities into ruin, our world into misery. That's the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of anything goes you know the first commandment of satanism they have like a 10 commandment kind of thing you know what the first commandment is in satanism do what thou will means do what you want that's the first commandment of satanism do what you want it's amazing it'll get you hell it'll get you demonized But we do it all the time. At least I do. I don't know about you. It's not a location problem that we need rescue from. It's not primarily the wrath of God in hell that we need rescue from. It's the hell in my own soul that is the result of my separation and independence from God. We can now have heaven in the presence of God. One day... It will be fully manifest. One day it will be fully cons- consummated. We can also have hell right now. And if we don't make the choice to abandon the tree of anything and eat from the tree of life, Jesus, we will have hell manifested one day. We're just going to keep going down the path we've been going down. God, it's my personal opinion, and I think it's a good opinion. That God doesn't send anyone to hell. He honors our choice. He honors our choice. What kind of loving God would it be that I don't care if you don't like me. You're spending eternity with me every day whether you like it or not. Sinners accuse God of that. They hate that kind of God, but they think he is that kind of God. He's not that kind of God. The scary thing is he'll honor our choice. He'll honor our choice. Hell is the absence of God's presence. Heaven is the fullness of God's presence. I think hell is going to be so bad because then we will actually have the knowledge of how good it could have been. And how deceived we were. And the ugliness of our sin and rebellion will be fully understood and known. I think that is what hell is going to be. God isn't there. And we could have been with him. We could have had him. But we did it our way. We followed the first commandment of Satanism. Do what you want. Do what you will. But the good news is we can be saved. We can be rescued from what? our sin. (laughs) Our sin, that's the problem. And when we get rescued from our sin, we turn from our sin, from eating of the tree of anything, and we submit to the Lord in obedience to him, trusting that he knows better. And we get rescued from that. We get rescued from the demonic through repentance, through repentance, but it's accessible right now. God can and wants to rescue us from the consequences of our sins and mess-ups. He can redeem anything. God forgives me. He imparts a righteousness of Christ to me. He comes to me with his presence, his love, his wisdom, his knowledge, his understanding, his power in the person of the Holy Spirit. He makes us new. He makes me a new creation. He turns me into a temple, a priest, a son, an ambassador of heaven. My duty stations earth. I'm a missionary sent from heaven to earth. I'm a preacher of God's message to my sphere of influence. I'm a portal to heaven, a broker of heaven's resources to earth. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. That's what we get. That's the fruit of eating from the true tree of life. And all of us can have that. Our inner life becomes a fruitful garden. Why? because God's rule and reign is fully there. It might take a little bit, right? But when God is there, heaven is there if we're submitted. Scott said an amazing thing this morning in the prayer room. I mean, it just hit me in regards to this location thing. He said, in our I, don't, I can't remember exactly how you worded it, so forgive me if I hack it a little bit. But he said it's possible to have a Savior and not a Lord. See, in, in location theology, that's possible. In our Western gospel, God will forgive you. Ask, pray this prayer. Ask Jesus into your heart. God will rescue you from hell, and he'll rescue you from this earth, and he'll transport you to heaven. You can have a savior in that regard, a rescuer from hell and a rescuer from this earth, but he can still not be your Lord. You can still walk in rebellion, and we see it every day in lots of churches. We call it greasy grace, that God forgives you. You can just keep living the same way you want. You can keep sleeping with your boyfriend and your girlfriend. You can still keep stealing and lying, and you can, God forgives you. You're going to heaven. But no, if it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or it's the the tree of life where you have to submit and trust and eat what he's giving you, it's not possible to have a Savior and not also a Lord. Because when you turn from that tree and you turn to him, you are submitting to him. You are receiving from him. He is your Lord, and because he is your Lord, he has rescued us from that stuff. It's not possible in that paradigm to have a a Savior and not a Lord. Does that make sense? It's no wonder we're so confused. I was confused. Hearing the gospel, God forgives you. He died to forgive you because he loves you. That's all partially true, but it's not the whole truth. My inner life becomes a fruitful garden when God moves in and I submit and I obey him. My relationships get healed. My family's blessed I become a blessing, I become a change agent to this world. I become a garden of Eden, and the world around me becomes an Eden to the extent that I walk in the Spirit and choose obedience to God. The priests had blood on their right earlobes, on their right thumbs, and their right big toe. It represented their hearing was covered in the blood of Christ, their walk, the way they lived their life was covered by the blood of the lamb and the works of their hands was covered by the blood of the lamb. They were submitted to him. I just, I want to focus on the story and then I'm going to end here. Um, The feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle uh, that's in all four gospels. It's the only miracle that Jesus did that's in all four gospels, the feeding of the 5,000. That's probably significant. Um, we, we miss it because we're not students of the Old Testament. We just think, wow, Jesus is powerful and Jesus is amazing. But there's a message about the people. There's a message about the people that we miss. In, uh, in 2 Kings 4.42, I'll just read this scripture real quick. This is about Elisha, Elisha, the prophet. A man came from Baal Shalisha, bringing the man of God, Elisha, Bread of the first fruits, twenty loaves of barley, and fresh ears of grain in his sack. And Elisha said, Give to the men that they may eat. But his servant said, How can I set this before a hundred men? So he repeated, Give them to the men that they may eat, for thus says the Lord, They shall eat and have some left over. So he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over, according to the word of the Lord. Now here's Jesus multiplying food. There's only two other guys mentioned in the Bible that multiplied food. They're both prophets, Elijah the prophet and Elisha the prophet. They both had stories to, uh, connected to prophets being fed. And in a story told to Elijah, 100 prophets were hid in two groups of 50. So the numbers 50 and 100 are mentioned in relation to feeding prophets and multiplying foods. So here's Jesus, Mark's account of this story. Jesus told them to sit in groups of fifties and hundreds. Did it for a reason. He was trying to prompt their imagination. Where else have I heard fifties and hundreds? Ah, Elijah. (laughs) Wait, where else were people fed, food multiplied? Elisha. Prophets. Prophets. Both of them had groups of prophets that they trained and followed them around. Elisha commanded that the prophets be fed, knowing there wasn't enough food. Jesus commanded that the people be fed, knowing there was not enough food. Elisha said there will be leftovers. Jesus said, pick up the leftovers. Jesus told them to sit in fifties and hundreds. What is going on here? Jesus is the new Elijah. Jesus is the new Elisha. But in this story, just as importantly, the people, the sick that were coming to get healed, the oppressed that were coming to receive deliverance, the desperate that were coming to just hear Jesus teach, those that wanted and needed what Jesus had They were eating from him. Those people are the new prophets. Those people are the new prophets. That's what this story is signifying. Jesus is the new Elisha. You 50s and 100s, you needy, you poor, you sick, you that are coming to feed spiritually from me, to eat from the tree of life, you are the new prophets of the Lord. You're those groups of prophets. Why is that so significant? Why is that so amazing? Because if you pointed to a bunch of crippled people and you said, those are prophets. What? Like to a Jew, that no, no way. They're cursed by God. Those desperate, those needy, no, they're cursed by God. People that are rich, that have money, they're the ones that have God's favor. They're the ones that God's blessing. They'd have the exact opposite mindset. But here Jesus is saying, no, when you reject the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, who were the people that were eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in this scenario, in this story? It was the people that weren't there. The people that were still in town that said, I'm not sick. I don't need him. Uh, I know I'm right with God. I don't need to hear what he has to say. I'm good. I don't need this guy. I'm busy doing my own thing. Who showed up? Who walked really far for days to go get with Jesus? The ones that said, I've tried everything else. It's not working. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. The desperate, the hungry, the needy, the oppressed. But those are the very things that we feel like disqualify us from God. And Jesus is saying here as long as it doesn't lead you to quit, as long as it doesn't lead you to hopelessness, as long as it leads you to me, that's a blessing. It's a blessing. tree of knowledge of good and evil people were still in the village. Give a quote from Nacho Libre. My life is good. Real good. My life is good. Real good. I don't need Jesus. And people still say that today. The tree of what I'm eating over here is working out just fine for me. Thank you. Christianity is only for Weak people. You've heard that too. You're right. It is. But we're all weak. People that say that just don't realize it. I don't have my life together. I'm disqualified from God. Is only true if you don't come to Jesus. It's only true if you if you don't eat from Him but it's a blessing if you come to him. Jesus said some amazing words. Blessed are the hungry. You would go, what? No way, no way. Jesus, you're dumb. No way. Blessed are the rich. Jesus said, no. Blessed are the hungry. Why? Because they're gonna come Their hunger is going to drive them. And I will feed them. Wow. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Wow. Wow. For theirs is the kingdom of God. They're going to get the kingdom. Because they're in need and they know it. They're going to get the kingdom. The ones that don't have need... They already got their fill. They already got their fill. They already have everything they're ever going to get. Wow, what a paradigm shift. Turns everything upside down. We are either eating from one tree or the other. You can't eat simultaneously from both trees. It's not possible. It's not possible.